killed, intended to kill me. So I killed him before he managed to kill me. He tried, but he failed miserably. Obviously, he's dead. <laughs> Welcome to my slam screamo poetry reading with improvised music. <laughs> Honestly, if it were me, I would have been doing more music than murdering in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, that is certainly a take. Not sure if Mayhem and Bursum and Emperor would agree, but a lot of other bands probably would agree. Yeah. Like, but, these, keep in mind there were, like, other bands around during this time. Oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Immortal, sure. Dark Throne. There were, like, other bands doing this stuff and not doing all this. Like, Mayhem had some unique drama. I think that it's like, you know, the murder to music ratio should be different, <laughs> you know. There should be a, maybe a little bit of murder, but mostly music, you know. Like, at this point, they have, they have zero full-length albums, and they have one suicide, and they have one murder. But that's fucking weak, man. That is a bad ratio, yeah. That is terrible ratio. It's an awful ratio. Are you a madman? Are you paranoid? Are you an entrepreneur? All of the above. You fucking dress up, you have to kill some you smoke. Walk in fucking forest. That's for weakness, is it? It's part of a deal. So, Vork got a sentence of 21 years, maximum penalty, not only for the premeditated murder of Eustin Euronymous Arsis, but also the arson of three churches, the attempted arson of a fourth, the death of a fireman involved, and the theft and storage of 150 kilograms of explosives. Thavarg was only sentenced for his involvement in four church burnings. That was just the ones the court could sufficiently prove it's decently likely he was involved in more than that. Several others within the scene was also arrested, tried, and sentenced for their involvement in the church arsons. This includes Samoth of Emperor and Jörn Ingve Tunsberg of Hades. And now Faust, the one who had murdered a man back in 1992, must have finally been ratted out by one of the people who knew about it because he was arrested, tried, and sentenced to 14 years in prison for the murder of Magne Andreasen. He had it coming. Da, da. He had it yeah, coming. He had it fucking da, da. coming. <laughs> oh, well, no, I, I should be clear. We're not talking about Magne. I'm talking about Faust. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm talking about Faust. Talking about about Faust yeah. yeah, he fucking just, just had realized after you said that the context yeah, sorry. Yeah, the context, yeah, because yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Faust yeah. had it coming. Now, uh, I want the murderer to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Vark uh, Vikernes' trial was highly publicized in Norway. The media made Vark into, like, the nation's first boogeyman in 50 years, as the book Lords of Chaos puts it. There were fucking lines of people outside this courtroom who all wanted the chance to be audience to the trial. This was very highly publicized. Um, Varg, who had become popularly known in the media as Grieven, or the Count, uh, certainly didn't seem to mind the attention, as his flair for the theatrical kept making itself known. One of these instances was when he said that he would not allow police to take a blood sample from him with a needle. If they wanted his blood, they'd have to use axes and swords instead. 
you know what? Again, I would comply at this point and see what would happen. Because, <laughs> yes, like, yeah. I, I mean, this is just kind of like, I mean, again, it may be the British bloodlust in me, but these little whippersnappers, they need to face some actual <laughs> fucking consequences. Like, I'll be like, yeah, fuck around and find out. I'll fucking chop your arm off and take a blood sample. Yeah, if you, if you, yeah, if you ask for the fucking sword, I'll, if you, I'll bring you the fucking sword, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it's just like... Go. Square go. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Yeah, I mean... You can challenge Marks for sword duel and beat the shit out of him. I'm not gonna... Is this how conservatives feel all of the time? Like, I'm feeling, like, genuinely, like, I just want to beat the shit out of these kids. Out of the rebelling kids, yes. Uh, fucking stop being edgelord. Stop fucking doing your dumb rebellion. Do your homework. Do your fucking homework, Mark, yeah. So, okay. so I, I, I just, just want to like summarize some stuff because like I've been, yeah. I've been just dissociating like mad because like <laughs> really bad. So let me get this straight. So what we've got is we've got so we had some teen, some edgy teenagers who took Satanism a little too seriously. I mean, not, they didn't take it seriously. They just kind of were like, ooh, cool aesthetic, but pretend to be that. Yeah. Then what? Then bullied one of them into committing suicide. Uh, well, yeah, Euronymous specifically bullied, oh, but kind of encouraged yeah. them to commit suicide. The, the rest of them seemed kind of like messed up about the whole thing. Yeah. They didn't really want dead to die. It's mainly just Euronymous. Um, yeah. And rather than spending, like, you know, literally any amount of time at all, like, you know, even contemplating writing a song. <laughs> yeah, Dad, yeah, yeah, Dad had like for for the for the next album that they haven't released in several years, Dead wrote like the lyrics for those songs. So that these guys never excuse. Really, All the lyrics were already written. Dead really was the best of them. Holy shit. Like and Yeah, wow. he was the one who wrote the fucking lyrics to these I mean, songs. Like that even with his suicide note. He like left lyrics to one more song called "Life oh Eternal." Oh my god! You know he he really was too fucking good for any of them. Because like yeah, Jesus um, Christ, like because yeah. like they, I'm sorry, but all of these people like I think well you can even back it up like many you know like many pro problematic faves. You could say well you know at least they produced some good tunes along the way. No, they fucking didn't because the only one who was like any sort of talent they've been like leeching off no, after no, his death. No, no, no. I, I don't I can I don't I don't agree with that statement. The rest of them were like everyone in the band at this point. Like of course, Euronymous, uh, Blackthorn, Varg, Hellhammer, Attila. They they're all really fucking good within this field. They have a lot of talent. Well, they just don't really use it a lot. They tend I mean, to get I'll more think, again up again. Look at this. I mean, again, it's like you know making excuses like well you know they do have talent talent it's just hidden no i'm not hidden i'm not somewhere. i'm just saying i'm just saying like i i don't i don't like i can i don't agree with the statement that uh, that's we'll have... the only talented one uh, that no, was the only driven one to make music though <laughs> that i'll admit okay and now now right so so we got like you know them like plotting and stuff like that and one of them like legitimately thinking like this is some like you know revenge crusade kind of thing um with like but yeah wolf mostly being like you know uh yeah this is revenge for like you know 800 years of like religious imperialism or whatever yeah uh even though like at that point like you know 
I'm guessing at that point, like, the church wasn't, like, super powerful or, like, you know, at least you've not got Christians, like, you know, actively as, you know, religious doctrine, like, out, like, na like the nascent wicker and pagan. Yeah, no, they don't, they're not so like, yeah. You know, like, basically, they've got what they want and, like, they're just... They're just, you know, they're doing worship and stuff and providing, like, community support. Um, then, so you've got burning down these culturally significant churches, which are a marvel in architecture, I assume. Like, Yep, yeah, there, there's, like, at the time, there were, like, just above 30, like, uh, state churches remaining uniquely Norwegian, they, like, don't exist anywhere else in the world, as far as I know. Yeah, so, like, you know, very culturally important, aesthetically yeah. very nice. Like, yeah. When I was looking at that, I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, that looks, like, you know, very, like, you know, Skyrim-y and stuff. Like, yeah. it's got, like, you know, it's got an aesthetic, it's got, like, you know, it's got a vibe to it. Yes, it's a very good-looking church, yes. Yeah. So, like, you know, I can see why artists would want to, you know, take inspiration from it. Um, admittedly, our boys here... Were... <laughs> yeah, Vark took a lot of inspiration from it, even put it on his <laughs> album cover, don't you know? Yeah. I liked it better when Dead was taking inspiration from sniffing dead animals. Like, yeah. that. I think that that's actually... Now, looking back on it, those were the good days uh, yeah. when... You know, I'm not. I'm actually not judging him for it now. This is actually a much better. You know, I mean, he wasn't really harming anyone. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he tried to kill a like. Um, he had his thing where he tried to like kill several cats, but he never succeeded. He hated cats and he wanted to kill them. He never succeeded in doing so. Oh well, that's. I mean, that's yeah. not good. But at least he didn't succeed. You know. Yeah, yeah. But he just kind of tried fuck fucking cat. Try to chase down and kill it, and the cat just kind of run away from him because cats are faster than that's, that's uh, fucking horrible. That's <laughs> and so okay. So we got like you know them doing like all of that, then like they're just going against like the church and that, like you know, that's weak shit. I'm gonna like murder you know, like probably one of the most prominent members of the band. The most prominent. Euronymous was Euronymous is seen as Euronymous was mayhem to a lot of people. Yeah. He was but he was definitely the most prominent member of Mayhem, yes. And all this before they released a single fucking album. Yeah. They had released an EP in the in their defense and a live album as well, but they had not released like an actual full length album. Yeah, I know. It just it it makes me even more mad. I mean there's like the murders and like the the homophobia and like the 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 edge lordiness, but the fact that they didn't even they they're doing all of this attempt for attention. They're doing all of this for attention for an album that doesn't exist. Oh, well, the album eventually did come out. I mean, it did not eventually exist. What is it? So I can avoid it and not buy it. And if I ever see any, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll force you to listen to a bit of it later. All oh, right. Okay. 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 Cool. Well, yeah, I have a little link for it. I'll post in the watch right. together. In a I bit. think I think we're caught up with like the baseline shenanigans of the band. Like... Yeah. Also, uh, Faust also killed the guy. He wasn't oh, in yeah. Mayhem, but he was like 
was pretty tightly intertwined with Mayhem. Yeah, like, and they kept his secret. Like, he lived behind the counter of any Ronimus fucking shop. He burned and churches they, with him. He confessed to the murder to them. Like, Yeah, I mean, they covered for him. So they're just yeah. as culpable, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they were, like, he called them for advice. And they were, like, the ones, like, Varg and Euronymous were the ones who said, don't turn yourself in. Like, I don't think... Like, Faust didn't really seem to know what he was going to do at that point, and they were the ones who said, don't turn yourself in, come down to Oslo. I mean, like, I can understand, like, you know, if the friends, like, instinctively, like, uh, right, yeah, uh, don't, uh, come down here and, like, you know, we'll talk it out. And, like, you know. They didn't talk it out, though. Euronymous was like, yo, this fucking owns. This is so cool. He killed the guy. Hell yeah. I, I keep forgetting, like, Euronymous. Not only having like the most D D sounding fucking name in existence, but like is also got the mentality of a murder hobo. <laughs> yes, yes, he really does. That's a good way of summarizing him up. Anyway, Lee, continue with this. Uh, yeah, tale um, this- of wonder and amazement and flowers and rainbows and you know <laughs> of like. You know, cool people that are definitely not like actual, like, I can't think of a word to think of how fucking vile they are. Yeah, they're new. It's a, it's a they're new like, level. There's, there's a total of two likable people in this, and three if you can, <laughs> actually. There are three likable people. Like, of all the yeah, documentaries I've watched, yeah. there are three likable people, like in Mayhem, in Mayhem's history. Either way, uh, Varg, at one point in his defense in court, turned to look directly at the jury. He proceeded to tell them that while Judeo-Christians wish to live in peace, he himself has a Germanic psyche and wants to perish in war. I feel so fucking bad for this guy's lawyer. Yeah, it's like... Your client, the most hated man in Norway at this point, is on trial for murder and arson, and can't help but just turn to the fucking Yuri, smile at them, and go, by the way, I'm also a Nazi? Yeah, just like, you know, his lawyers like, like, Wolfman, we've (laughs) talked about this. Uh, Yeah, his lawyer fucking seething, yeah. You know where we said, well, you didn't want to confess? Yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, also, you shouldn't have told them any of that yeah like look look like you're basically doing your own character assassination here mate that is not yeah like that is not a viable legal strategy he kept doing his own character assassination so much every time he talks to the press you can see the fucking lawyer in the interviews standing next to him fucking seething as rog was actually assassinating his own character yeah it's so fucking funny I must say, this guy is a great, great argument for capital punishment. Like, really. (laughs) Like, seriously, I'm surprised he's not brought up more by people in my country. It's like, yeah, this is what this is what happens when you have like a lenient rehabilitative system. You get this guy. (laughs) People, I I see see a lot of articles like in terms of uh, Anders Breivik and the, the other Norwegian guy who like shot up a mosque. Where people are like, this peop- these people only got 21 years. This is despicable. Oh, this yeah, is- that's fair. Yeah. That's yeah, true. so, so yeah. I mean, I guess people do do that now. I don't know. I guess people weren't as caught up in this 
debate in the 90s? Yeah, we I did, don't know. I guess we didn't have social media to fume yeah. over it. Like, it just seems like, because, like, I've not heard of any of it. Yeah, there was no one on Twitter going, oh, fucking Varg Vikernes got 21 years. I mean, I will. I will say this for the for the sake of the podcast is like I do believe in rehabilitative justice. Like as much as yes. I fucking hate that guy, I'm not against Norway's policies on this. It's just it's, it's really hard. Yeah, you're yeah. kind of instinctively emotional when you get like I know. these people who are these fucking bad. You kind of instinctively think like, yeah, this. this I mean, I mean that's the whole work, thing but... about you know being you know anti-abolition and anti-rehabilitative justice and stuff it's like it does play on emotions because it's like yeah this fucking guy and i must say if like you know anything like that you know happened like to someone i really cared about like i do have to keep my emotions in check because the logic just goes out the window like because this is a guy that is just begging to say please please hate me please and i'm like yeah i will (laughs) but you know they can't because it's the law in that country they have to give him a reasonable sentence you know and yeah. you know i just hate guys like that like they have all of the atu- they have all of the opportunities to work. like if he just like made some fucking music and you know just held on to his white privilege that way like that would be fucking fine but no he just has to go the extra mile and be even more of a reprehensible piece of shit like to everybody yeah. and it's like ugh. <laughs> i'm still not over the fact they hadn't like released an actual proper studio album <laughs> I- yeah they've been this was nineteen. This was nineteen ninety four. Mayhem started in nineteen eighty four. Ten years. I, ten years. So me. Ten years since Mayhem started at this point. Mayhem ended when I was born. <laughs> I mean, did they end though? That that we're gonna get to that, but all right, there uh, you go. all right. Yeah, we're gonna get that in a bit. First, uh, something I wanna point out. Don't have this in my script, but something I felt need to point out at this point was that. Norway's satanic panic, it didn't just, like, kind of targeted everyone on the scene indiscriminately. Kind of went after, like, everyone in that scene, even people in, that wasn't, weren't really involved in this. And Euronymous was, like, demonized a lot in the media. Not for the things he actually, like, deserved to be demonized for, like the shit he pulled with dead and all that. But, like, just for, ooh, crazy cult leader, satanist. Stuff like that. Nah. Like the the like one of the band members at one point mentions here like how Euronymous parents like they had they had no idea about any of this like stuff that was going on behind the scenes. So when they saw this, it was like suddenly their boy was like being demonized everywhere in the media as he just been murdered. And yeah, that's that's gotta be a tough situation to be in. I mean I do feel bad about his yeah, first parents. Like- I imagine from their point of view, it's like, oh, okay, right, uh, well, you go hang out with your friends and, like, you know, make some, ah, oh, that's terrible, your friend committed suicide, ah, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, we're here for you, sweetie, and, you know, we love you and stuff like that, and then, like, you know, them just, like, giving, like, non-committal, you know, statements and stuff. No, no, uh, as, as Mannheim pointed out, Euronymous had, like, a really good relationship with his parents, and he was, like, really nice and polite and respectful to them. He had a really good relationship with his parents. And, it, yeah, his parents had no idea what any of this stuff was He was living a double life, I guess. You yeah, know. he had, like, he had two completely different personalities when he was at home. Like, the Mayhem members who, like, were at his home with him in the early days, 
like observe the these two ridiculously different personalities when he's at home uh, with his parents and when he's well at Helvetta being the prince of darkness. It's so sad that they had to find out he's a fucking poser. <laughs> yeah, they had to find out their son was a poser. Yes. Uh, so where was I here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Mark Vickerness was sentenced to 21 years in prison. As the verdict was read, he turned to the camera and gave a bitter smile. Two churches would go up in flames that day. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Fucking hell. Yeah. I like, also, yeah, I mean, a bitter smile. Like, what did he think was going to happen? Like, what did he think the outcome? Is it another mean, case he, of the outcome again? Like- like, I mean, oh, he this seemed, is all no, great no, he seemed he seemed like he knew I was gonna he knew I was gonna happen. He didn't seem at all surprised in any way when the verdict was read. He did yeah. he did, like they they she, the, like judge went twenty one years in prison and Vork did not yeah. react. You can see no I reaction. I guess he wanted it. No, he didn't want it, but he knew who it was coming. Like he knew that this was the way the like way the trial was going and that this was what was gonna happen. I mean, no shit, dude. I mean, no shit that you'd see Kyle in front of the jury and said you weren't sorry that that the motherfucker was dead. I mean, come on. (laughs) I I am at a loss for words with this. Like, this... This boy, this this man... I mean, somewhere in between 21 years old at this time. This man-child... So the same month that Varg was sentenced, Mayhem's album The Mysteries de Satanas was finally released. Yay! Perfect timing. Yeah, yes, perfect timing indeed. I'm sure the fact that it coincided with this highly, highly publicized trial was just a coincidence and not at all a way to exploit it for publicity. So before the album's release, Euronymous family asked Mayhem's drummer, Hellhammer, to remove Varg's best tracks from the records. Like, to remove all the contributions he'd made on the bass. Um, though Hellhammer told them he would have those sections re-recorded by someone else, he never did because he, I quote, found it appropriate that the murderer and the victim were on the same record. And also he couldn't be asked. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> and also he couldn't be asked, yeah. But it was kind of in a way, with, with a morbid image, like, that Mayhem was using, well, it was kind of appropriate. Like, I mean, if, it... if, this had happened, if this had happened to one of the other band members, Euronymous would not have removed the, the like, tracks of the merger. I mean, he would to... have tried to exploit it. To be honest, that's very in character for the band, yeah, just to, like, say, yeah, you know what, this is more sort of, like, edgy this way. Yeah. You can just keep it like this. Yeah, like, they, they told the parents they would, they, they never did. And so, the album was released with Euronymous on electric guitar, Varg Vikernes on bass, and, to make things even more morbid, lyrics by Dead. The Mysterious Stump Thathanas, Mayhem's first full-length album, went on to become one of the essential black metal albums, and for good reason, it's a really fucking good album. It has, like, this hauntingly bleak, aggressively anxiety-inducing atmosphere, 
they've been working on uh, the Mysterious Stamsatanas since like what was it 1989? So yep. this yeah they've been working on this for even back when Dead was alive they've been working on this for so long and Euronymous yeah he did not live to see the release of it. I mean, I mean, appropriate. Uh, that's yeah. another another like another stab you know into <laughs> Euronymous, but. I mean, yeah, I I really like the bit where it goes. That, that, that right? bit was my favorite. Unironically, un- I, I unironically I agree. <laughs> unironically, I really love Attila Shihar's vocal style. I I really love those parts. I um, well, unironically, I think they're really good. Well, okay, Lee, you're valid. <laughs> I'll just say you're valid. <laughs> That's what you say in these situations. You're valid. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. I I do really like his vocal style. Like compared to all other Mayhem vocalists, even Dead. No disrespect, of course. I do think Attila has like the most like haunting, creepy, disturbing vocals. They're like really weird, occultish, almost like Gregorian I, chant style. I, I, almost, I opera- almost operatic at times. I do. I it's do get that. Really experimental, and I really like it. I don't know. I mean, I guess you know. I come from. Maybe just because I, I listen to a lot of good Gregorian chant, you know, for like Halloween parties and stuff. It's just I'm kind. Of, it's just kind of dead to me now. <laughs> it's, not, sure. it's not as. It's not. It's not. It's not novel. I don't. I don't know. I'm not even. I. I don't know what it is. I guess it's just. You know, like with music tastes, it's like you can't really explain why you don't really like something. You know, it's sure. just sort of like the sounds that are in my brain <laughs> it doesn't like it. You know, it's. Sure. I mean, I don't, fair. Like, it's, I guess this is how you guys felt um, with Gigi Allen when I was like, "Yeah, um, this is actually a really good show, and you, this I, is actually really yeah. good." And you were like, "Yeah." It kind of grew on me the more I listened to it, except that like country song. I did not like that. Oh, I love that! I love that. That's a banger. <laughs> but I get why other people don't like it. That is the definition sure. of niche. So I also get why people people don't like this. This is also somewhat niche. Um. Attila apparently can like actually sing like not in this sort of way but like actually sing he apparently like played at one of the like big parts in Jesus Christ Superstar in Hungary <laughs> brilliant okay that that yes. that is epic that's great that is amazing that is epic and that is great yes uh now as for Varg Vikernes, you may think he would be relatively inactive during his incarceration. But remember, this is Norway, and their prisons are much more shielded than other countries, so Varg did plenty of shit from behind bars. Ugh. We're gonna start with the least terrible thing he did. Oh which no, is... there's a scale! There's a scale! There's a scale, yes. We're starting with the least terrible thing, All which right. is that he wrote two more Bursum albums. These oh, no, some crimes can never be forgiven. <laughs> these weren't these actually weren't black metal albums because they wouldn't give him the instruments needed for that. <laughs> okay, the that's only... that's great. That's great, Norway. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, they, they got to own him in some ways at least. So the only thing he had access to was this little synth and the simple campaign <laughs> recorder. Synth? We're going back to synth, fucking the haunting synth. No, he did he did do some stuff with the synth. He made this like dark ambivalent like medieval style fantasy album oh. like it's it's got like all these he's got like this trombone section with the synth 
and he's got a little like lute and the violin. So oh, you know, I don't think I don't think this is like least terrible to by the sounds of it. The sounds that sounds horrific. Like I personally think that like considering the limited tools at his disposal, um, this this the music he did manage to produce is pretty impressive. Like I've heard it, it's not like top tier. Like the production isn't great, but like considering the tools he had, it's it's really good. Some people would disagree with that assessment, though. And I want to read a particularly funny section from a review that vehemently <laughs> disagreed with my, with my assessment. As Sputnik Music put it, it's 40 minutes of a crazed neo-Nazi church-burning murderer playing a toy piano and it's only <laughs> half as funny as it sounds. Oh, great. I, I mean, if it's possible to like that review, I will. You know, I will personally <laughs> like it. Yeah, I mean... I don't even agree with that review, and I still love that review. (laughs) So, now for the less good stuff. In late 1994, Varg started writing his book-length manifesto, Varismål. It was released online in 1996 and published in printed form in 1997, its publication being financed by Varg's mom, Lienne Bora. Oh my god! I'm sorry! My image of his mum coming in with cookies and milk every, like, half hour in his, like, fucking cult meetings, you know, it's just, like, it's just getting fucking more confirmed. Oh, it's fucking... Yeah. Why? Why? Why, mummy, why? I I will admit that, like, title of this book is actually, like, pretty clever. It's got this nifty, like, double meaning to it. Varismål can be read both as Varg speech and... Wolf's meal. It's it's clever. It's, it's a nice double meaning. No one? Okay, uh, just me. I think <laughs> I mean, credit where credit is due. That guy's a piece of shit, but it's a good title. Credit where credit is due. I mean mm, I will I, I mean you're valid, Lee. You're valid. This is Credit for Credit is due. It's a good it's a good like double meaning title. Just I'm just hearing a fucking pun and wanting to punch him. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, the contents of the book, much less nifty than the title. Here's how it's described on Bursum's website. You all right, Bareilles? Sorry, uh, what? <laughs> right, so here's how the book is described on Bursum's website. Albeit written in 1994 and not published until 1996, hence quite outdated nowadays, this book still remains an all-time classic. Mark Vickerness deals with the history and destiny of his native homeland, Norway, and appeals to his kinsmen to abandon the materialistic and anti-human modernism in favour of the ancient and heathen beliefs of their elders. So basically, it's a bunch of white supremacist neo-Nazi yeah. stock. Yeah. I just, I'm just imagining, I'm sorry, I've still got the picture off of him on the cover of that <laughs> newspaper and just imagining him doing it. I'm just, I can't take him <laughs> seriously. He's a fucking yeah. hot topic reject saying all this shit. I can't blame you for not taking Count Grishnak seriously. Can't blame you for not taking Grafy Grishnak very seriously. It's a little wolf boy. Sorry, I just don't find you convincing. Yeah. Among other things in this book, he talks about how the Freemasons are a Jewish plot to destroy the Germanic race. So, yeah, neo-Nazi. You find that, it's a, I think Alice would find that offensive. Considering that Alice, she's a Alice, are you doing a Jewish plot to destroy the Germanic race, Alice? I'm not Jewish. 
can't. That doesn't answer any question. That but... doesn't answer any question. You can still be participating <laughs> in the life plot, even if you're Christian um, or an atheist. I, uh, I just, I worship Yogg-Sothoth, Dionysus. <laughs> More deflection. I'm taking that as a yes. I've never been to Germany. <laughs> okay. It's just all these cryptic answers. It's like I've never been to Germany. Yeah, cryptic non-denials. Yes. So Varg was also somehow able to found an international neo-Nazi organization from jail. Oh God! I mean, at this point, I'm just numb. Uh, I yeah. can't really. I I believe pretty much everything. It's like yeah, sure, yeah, you know. Yeah, I. You can't get any fucking musical instruments that you need in jail in Norway, but you can found a neo-Nazi organization from jail. Yeah, like, I, I like the idea of Norway's person being all nice and chill, but I feel like at some point you're gonna have a few restrictions to make sure your murder convict isn't running an international hate group, maybe? Yeah, I'd say that's a little too liberal, if I'm perfectly yeah. honest. Yep. So the Heathen Front, as it's called, was founded by Varg in his early prison years, and it was a neo-pagan, neo-Nazi organization. His book, Varis Mål, was the foundational ideological text of the group, and they even sold it on their websites. Through the organization, Varg would advocate for national socialism, anti-Semitism, eugenics, and racist paganism. What a fucking nerd. Those are not his words, obviously. He put it in, like, much it's more fucking... romanticized terms. Right. I mean, he's such a fucking nerd. My god. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. It's the all-father. Not some father. All-father. <laughs> Get it for your fucking thick skull. I, I honestly forgot his name. I've been too busy, like, zoning. Who, in Varg? It. Yeah. Fuck it. Varg. Okay. I heard you. I I heard you humming to some actual good music as well. You cheeky. What was the good cheeky, music? <laughs> your cheeky little Alice. You know, I think it was that apocalypse thing that you were talking about because you were humming away. Oh, sure. Uh, it was uh, the song I was humming to. Uh, I was like coming out of my cage and I've been doing <laughs> fine. <laughs> well, he's not coming out of his cage and he's not doing just <laughs> fine. Yeah. So. Though Varg and Heathen Front both denied his involvement, since, you know, convicts aren't actually supposed to be running political organizations from prison, it was a flimsy cover-up at best, since Heathen Front's listed address was Varg's prison P.O. box. You know, it was not a good cover-up. Oh my god, he is so bad at crimes, he is just like, my god, so Norway, bad. Norway, increase the punishment! Just for this guy, because he is so bad at it. He's begging you. Yeah, for the master race, these people are really fucking dumb sometimes. Oh. So they even use the same dumb, dumb phrase that Varg used to describe his ideology. Odalism. Mm. That's what he calls it. It's odalism. And odalism is basically a form of... Um, esoteric race science that blends Odinism, anti-Christianity and anti-Semitism. It is, a, it is as dumb as it sounds. Well, that's even... That's actually stupider than regular Nazi stuff. I gotta give him credit. Yeah, like, I'm... I just want you to know, like, through most of this podcast, there's just been a radio static in my head. <laughs> 
Um, like, if you want to, like, you can put, like, most of my speech, like, particularly during the Young Stuff Off chanting, with, like, a faint radio static. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Norwegian. I don't try to do a rebellion against good production here. Uh, see. <laughs> I mean, despite what uh, some critics may say, we are not rebelling against good production. We're trying <laughs> yeah, our best. Yeah. We're not actively trying to rebel. We're just kind of accidentally rebelling, yes. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that every time I fail at something, saying <laughs> that I was actually yes. rebelling against being good. So. Okay, well, Alice is disassociating. You know, yeah. we better finish this up. <laughs> this saga. Oh, finish this up. How many pages do we have? We oh, have uh, eight oh, pages. How many pages? Uh, oh. Eight pages left, sorry. <laughs> there we go. So, anyway, despite the fact that Varg was very obviously a, a shitty person, he still had people battling for him on the outside. In April 1997, Norwegian police arrested five neo-Nazis in the municipality of Hemnes. They were part of a self-styled Einsatzgruppe, which, in case you don't know, is the word for paramilitary death squads in Germany and its occupied territory. Very charming name. Great for branding. So uh, the five men had not only been planning to attack prominent Norwegian politicians and religious leaders, but also to break Varg Vigorness out of prison. Oh. <laughs> I gotta, again, I gotta admire their optimism. Like, <laughs> The group was pretty well stocked up. They had, like, guns, explosives, bulletproof vests, even steel helmets. Now, you might be wondering, though. Yeah, even steel helmets, yes. <laughs> Sorry, just let it... I don't know. why breaking Varg out had been one of their priorities in the first place? Well, one of the members of this group was named Tom. He was an escaped convict who had befriended Varg in jail. But that friendship was not all the initiative this group had to get Varg out. You see, you might have been wondering who had been funding this group in the first place for them to have their equipment and all that. And for that answer... You have to look no further than Varg's mother, Liana. Oh my god! <laughs> no! Liana had supplied this neo-Nazi death squad with 100,000 Norwegian kroner, which would be about 8,500 British pounds, or 10,500 US dollars. Look, I'm all for supportive parents and that, but, you know, <laughs> there's a limit to, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, Oh my god. All of those jokes I made are real. He did have yes. a supportive mama. Oh. He did have a supportive mother. He, she needs to get her boy out, her precious boy. Oh. So police said that this money, the 
100,000 Norwegian kroner may have originally come from Vork himself, like this was his money that he had given to his mom to fund this group with or something. I, I mean, I guess like that's where she would have got it from, because I'm guessing that, you know, the you know, he's still got the mayhem money or at least some of it. Like, I am the mayhem. I don't know how much money he even got from like mayhem and Bursum. Like, Death Like Silence Productions was predictably not run very well as a business. Like, so I don't know how much profit Mark actually made, but still, well, this money came from somewhere. Uh, I was just, I was just came to my head. It's like, Mama, I killed a man. <laughs> I yeah. stabbed him in his head. Stabbed him six more times. Sixteen more times. Now he's dead, Mama. Don't forget, total was twenty-three. Oh Jesus! He, he made. He made one of his claims. He made later was that like Euronymous had actually fallen on a lamp and accidentally stabbed him. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Oh my god, like, did they have to at least, did they have to cross-reference, like, did this, does this look like a stab would have, like, no, mate, that's bullshit. You know it's bullshit, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they made a, they made a coroner's report, which was pretty, pretty clear about the, like, knife wounds to his back. Yeah. Sixteen of them, not glass. See this, see this land. son, see this son, that's a knife. You're talking that's shit. Knife, yeah, that's not a, that's not a lamp short, dude, yeah. So, uh, Liana says that she didn't know these dudes were right-wing extremists and that she'd wanted to free Vark because he was being attacked by his fellow inmates. <laughs> Such a mum thing, I just... I can't, you know... Inmates, there's no evidence that I kind of believe her! I kind of believe her! She I, really I, is I, just... I do kind of believe that she didn't know either. I do kind yeah. of believe that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like, she's written these letters about, like, oh, they, they hurt me so bad, mother! They've been having... They've been hurting and abusing me, and I do kind of believe that she probably bought that. Yeah, you see, you oh. view uh, things through rose-tinted lenses. All of the red flags just look like normal flags. Yeah, I also, yeah, I also do need to mention though that his mom is. Well, Varg said she was kind of like based when it came to like race science. She's not. She's nowhere near as racist as he is, but she she is also racist. So I mean, ah, well, so yeah. I I I imagine it's more like of the kind of thing of like yeah I I I don't mind them but you know no that 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 was a level of racism his dad was on his mom was a little bit further than that okay right yeah so it's sort of like you know clutching her purse you know when like you know minorities walk past sort of. Oh no, that, that's the level that's the level Vork's dad was at. Like Liana was a little bit beyond that. Oh Jesus. No, not a little bit. Like uh Vork's, Vork's dad was like he didn't like like immigrants or brown people, but he, he also didn't like Nazism, like when he saw a Nazi flag in Vork's apartment, he kind of freaked out a bit. I feel like Liana might have been a bit more chill with his beliefs, even if she wasn't like fully on board with them. Like she was more racist than Vork's dad was. Okay. And Vork's dad. So slightly more, you know, I don't know if it, yeah, it could go either way, I guess, like she could have known or not known. It's like, is, yeah. is racism an inherent trait in this family? Disgusting. <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. I, I mean, I mean, the mom was racist, the son was ridiculously super racist. There was some sort of evolution there. I mean, either way, you know, even she didn't know they were Nazis, or she, you know, or she did know they were Nazis, like, 
whether she knew or not, it's a bad idea to give these guys money to break out her son. Yeah. So this is all very, very silly. Like, yeah, if if Leanna did like believe what she was telling was the truth, if she believed that like these weren't neo Nazis, that these were just freeing her boy from the abuse, then then what was happening here was that Varg was like emotionally manipulating his own mother to help orchestrate his escape from prison at risk to her, like risking prison time as well for this. And that is very bleak, if that's if that's the case. I, mean, I almost want to believe she knew because this the, the alternative is too bleak. That's, I mean, the, the, the problem is the bleak, you know, explanation for that. You would be very fitting for his behavior and like yeah, his was, character. So Varg, I've, I've, through the course of like researching this, watch several documentaries, seen a lot of interviews with him. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be like armchair psychology diagnosing anyone, but he seems like kind of uh, in the like literal, in the like not over exaggerated sense of the word, but the like meaning of the word a psychopath. He has like he has this superficial charm. He's extremely charismatic. He's he has the superficial charm when he like talks, and then when he starts getting into the murder, he kind of doesn't know how to put on any sort of regret for what he did or pretend to feel sorry. He's still kind of smiling and doing the, like, trying to do the same charm thing he's doing before as if he doesn't realize that's not working when you're talking about a murder. We need to see some sympathy here. He can't do that. All he has is a superficial charm. And he does have a lot of superficial charm. Like, watching these documentaries, it's very easy to forget, like, what this guy is in prison for. This, he is very charismatic. I'll say that much for him. That does sound very... I mean, we won't know until we actually get, like, a real psychological, you know, diagnosis. But it's, yeah. like, it's fair to it's fair to make that assumption, I think. It yeah. sounds very typical psychopathy. Yes, it does. Yeah. Don't want to armchair, armchair diagnose anyone, but hey, since we already armchair diagnosed uh, dead with Cotard solution, why stop now? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as someone who has empathy issues, like, I don't go around murdering people. I just... Yeah, oh yeah, of course not. I don't mean to imply, like, everyone with that does, but... To, to me, it's not the murder as much. It's sort of this superficial charm combined with, like, the failure to display empathy in the when he's talking about a situation that should be traumatic. Sort of the combination of those two is kind of what's giving me vibes here. Yeah. But I don't mean to imply like, everyone with empathy issues. Like, it's a murderer, of course not. I just wanted to make it clear. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So, though this particular plan was foiled, Varg did not give up on his dreams of escaping prison. In August 2003, over nine years into his sentence, Varg was transferred to a low-security prison in Tönsberg. He'd previously been in a high-security prison due to all the shit he's pulled. Uh, on the 26th of October 2003, Varg was granted a 17-hour short leave from prison, and through the power of scheming and manipulation, Varg had roped several people into helping him turn this temporary leave into a more permanent one. That's right, it's prison break time, baby! Woo! Woo! So the first thing, the first thing Varg did was pick up a BMW that an inmate at another prison had organized a purchase of. Not sure how he got another another inmate at another prison to do okay, this for Norway, him. Okay, Norway, Norway, 
no way sort out your prison system my god like jesus christ this is too easy yeah this is too fucking easy yes like okay okay like i can understand wanting to treat the prisoners humanely and keeping their you know civil liberties and stuff i get that i respect that heck i'm even on board with it i love it but like at least make sure to can't like you know organize a fucking like escape thing like you know maybe block some sites that i mean Vorg, Vorg was like on leave he had like gotten temporary leave 17 hours out of like out of prison like so this wasn't like he ran away from the prison like I, just out into the wild so, he'd, so, he'd leave. from what i know from what we know like i definitely think someone should have been accompanying him like that's very that's fair like at least you know like, like the thing with the thing with work is that he sort of like in the interviews he did from behind bars from while in high security prison he doesn't come across as like he as as if he dislikes prison that much he like even s- said that he's like a path a pathic towards it that he doesn't like really carry the way he feels pretty neutral on one hand, being like in prison is bad, but on the other hand, it's given me time to read books and work on some music and stuff like that. He he said like he seems like he doesn't really carry the way, so I don't think they thought he was a flight risk. Like he didn't he hadn't been acting as if he was a flight risk at that point. Probably he just tried to escape before. Like I mean, I'm sorry, but... but 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 this is less that he tried to escape at the time. He had like plausible deniability there. Uh, he had plausible yeah. deniability with just, oh, there were other people trying to break me out and I had nothing to do with it. If this. he was in Britain, they would have dug a hole and just buried him <laughs> in it. Like, Jesus Christ, this is... <laughs> so, while still in the municipality of Numedal, Varg ditched the BMW and hijacked a family's Volvo at gunpoint. That's right, he's, he'd gotten a gun. I mean, um, yeah, as well. Why is it, I, yeah, yeah, I bet you the prison officer just say, hey, can you hold this gun for me? Yeah, sure, <laughs> thanks. And he just walks off of it. Yeah, so he then made it to the municipality of Rolag, where he broke into a cabin to stay the night. Once 17 hours had passed and Vark had not returned from his leave, a manhunt ensued and he was found in the municipality of Romerike, where he was arrested after a short car chase. Now, where he was arrested was actually just a few hours from the prison, and this might seem strange that like that he didn't make t- make it any further in 19 hours but it makes a bit more sense considering he had to make at least one big stop during that time remember how i said he had accomplices well one or more of those accomplices had made arrangements to get varg some equipment and by some equipment i mean <clears throat> a handgun an automatic high precision rifle several large knives a bulletproof vest, a gas mask, camouflage clothing, a portable satellite navigator, a compass, maps, a cell phone, a headset, and a laptop. This, this, this seems the fucking enough enough equipment to pass for fucking commando. Like this, fucker had this motherfucker gotten a rifle that like could had like several kilometers worth of aim. He got a fucking sniper rifle. Just and shit. Just fucking dweebs. These are the same fucking dweebs that like. You know, camp in Call of Duty. That's this. That's what it is. It's just, 
they think video game. Yeah, you'll definitely need this and this and this and this. <laughs> you know, we'll just I mean, like to be we'll fair, just stack like, it up in your inventory. You know, a few of these ideas were uh, like entirely dumb. I mean, I guess the camouflage clothing, the navigator, compass, maps. Not too dumb ideas, I guess. But the fucking sniper rifle is a bit overkill. Like, why would you need a gas mask? I don't fucking know. Maybe the police started spraying gas at him. They were prepared for anything right. here, I like, guess. It, it, Norway's got mountains, hasn't it? Like, it's got... Yeah, Norway's got mountains. Norway's got, got mountains, forests, yes. and stuff like that. Like, why not just give him a tent and some, like, you know, <laughs> like, basic kind of survival stuff. Okay, maybe not basic survival stuff, but, like, you know, survival equipment and just, like... Yeah. Did they actually put food? I, I, I'm not sure, not, not in any of the articles. I've read like three or four different articles about this. None of them mention anything about food. None of them. I, I bet they didn't pack food. I bet they didn't pack food too. I bet you forgot about that. Varg, Varg loves survivalist shit, by the way. Varg is oh, big into survivalism, so he should have known to have food. Yeah, like... No, know, well, if you, if like you actually... Rice. Yeah. Well, you say that. I've actually seen real life, life survival. Do you know of the... <laughs> okay, well, like, have you heard of that? It's on Netflix, I think, called Doomsday Preppers, this TV show. Oh, it's... I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Oh, it's it's a wonderful exercise in delusion. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's basically like, you know, real life Doomsday Preppers, you yeah. know, who are survivalists. And, you know, some of them are like, you know, wacky neo-Nazis, but most of them are just like people who are, you know, fetishizing the end of the world and think, I'm going to be straight on there but they got some actual scientists and real you know proper you know end of the world specialists you know people who have like prepped for real calamitous events and basically every episode is the actual science people saying okay you will survive about a month if this oh, happens oh that sounds fantastic I'm, i've got to add it's to great you've got to watch netflix. it if there was a netflix i'll add to my queue it sounds great like what I'm saying is that I can believe that he could be totally into this shit. We can to be totally into all this survivalist shit and know nothing about actual survival. Yeah. So this is perfectly on on brand for him. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is very fair. Yeah, but um, let's see. Another like thing that would have been infinitely more useful than what you got would have been a net. <laughs> um, you know, like it literally wouldn't be too much set up it. Set up a net on a river, like make sure the net is like you know under the water or something. Like you can catch some carp, and then like you know you take out its guts and chop its head, stuff like that. And then like you know you cook it and stuff, and that can be like a sustainable source of protein. Oh, also, I was talking about protein. Like he probably wants to bring some beans. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that you're giving him like you know retroactive don't, yeah, don't advice. Give him advice. Like, don't give him advice. Don't give him advice. Is like you know, if he's listening to this, he'd be like, yeah, okay, next time. Mm -hmm, yeah, uh, mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> beans. Yes. Now, what you want to do is you want like you know some activity to like five minutes later. Right. So first, I gotta mention that who the hell got him all this equipment is unfortunately not known because. Bark, being a big believer in the code of silence, refuses to name any names. So, like, he's he's not giving away his accomplices. This is the first time he's believed in the code of silence, by the way. Uh, he just... No, no, he's, he, like, even in his, like, trial and shit, he refused to give up any accomplices. He even, like, 
covered for uh, Blackthorn and pretended he did less in the killing. Oh, uh, but he, okay. he knew less. He knew less than he actually did. Okay. He, he's so... like big on not selling others out, and he got really, really salty when Blackthorn sold him out and other people <laughs> sold him out because he did not do that to anyone. He's yeah. big into the code of silence. Yeah. If if anybody's gonna sell him out, it's him. Yeah. So I can totally respect that. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this incident predictably landed him back in a high-security prison. He'd finally got into that low-security prison, and he only got to stay a few months because he decided to run away. And now he was back in a high-security prison. Great job, dude. So he would spend almost six more years behind bar before being released on probation in March 2009. He did not serve the full 21 years of his sentence because, again, Norway... They like they like letting people out before they serve their whole sentence. You know, the the greatest villain of them all is Norway in this case. Like, stop <laughs> enabling him. I swear to God, that, like it's really I'm really finding it difficult to stay true to my abolitionist and reformist principles <laughs> with this. I'm just like, look, it's like that moment in like uh in under the red hood in Batman, it's like, you know, I could have understood it for anyone else. But this, this piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, carry on. During Vorg's stay in prison, even after that escape attempt, he'd been allowed some visits to see his family. And somehow, during these visits, again, Norway, please keep an eye out for this shit. He'd somehow gotten together with a woman called Marie Cachet. I don't know how to pronounce that name. Cachet? Cachet. Cachet. Catch Monet. No, I'm going Cachet. Cachet. Um, he somehow gotten together with a woman called Marie Cachet during these outings. I say woman, but she was apparently just fresh out of high school when the two met, so girl might unfortunately be more accurate. Uh, okay. Norway, please keep an eye out on what this guy is doing, doing when he's out. Please, Norway? Like, these were just his, like, little leaves he got from prison to see his family, and he saw him to, like, pull the shit off. He got her pregnant, married her, and then got her pregnant again. Brilliant. Great. Once he was released, he, his now wife, and their two kids settled down on a farm to live that dread lifestyle. That did not last too long, as they soon ended up moving to Marie's home country of France. Varg legally renamed himself to Louis Ketchett to avoid public public difficulties. He's Louis Ketchett now. Legally, he's Louis Ketchett. Oh, pussy whip man. But he still prefers to go by Varg Vickerness in his personal life. It's just like legal. Legally, he's now named Louis Ketchett. Beautiful. I don't know. That's like, I'm (laughs) a. Like, could you imagine trying to get a job for this after this? Like, holy fucking shit! Yeah, it's like I mean, ah, like, he... oh, hey, so we're taking on you know new people, like, and you put your resume, in. like, you know, oh, yeah, you've worked, you've got experience in music and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. What's this here? You, what's this here? You murdered someone, started four arsons. Stored 150 kilograms and thousands of rounds of ammunition in your apartment, made several jailbreaks, founded a new Nazi organization. What's this, dude? What's this on here? I think you're perfect for the job. Welcome to the police. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that was, was like you know i was like gonna do like you know a bit where it was like ah yes okay so you know like it says here you got good leadership skills you know <laughs> just full mccaffey it it's like yeah that showed entrepreneurship yeah, entrepreneur, yeah. um and then... he found that his own band at like 18 he played all the instrument a true entrepreneur um says here you come from a very nice loving family um you got a migrant from norway uh yes yes i came from norway from bergen yes ah okay okay very nice uh like do you have any family now no it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. you don't have that oh oh yes i have i have a wife i have two beautiful children we live in a small town here in france uh, in a little farm yeah pleasant peaceful existence yeah uh and also uh you also have a nickname what what's that nickname um it's a uh, count Krishnak. <laughs> ah, I, I see you read lord of the rings yes yes i'm I'm a big lord of the rings fan yes that's that's where that from yes <laughs> just, just like... i read a lot i read a lot of fantasy like, i'm a big reader just, big thinker let's just check out your references here like um uh who is this what is this company blackthorn um okay, the, the company's that's like silence productions it's silence yes. productions yeah that's good yeah yeah i wonder like what they're silence doing productions. it's a it's a little startup from oslo uh, run by a driven young friend of mine. Oh, hey! Oh, what's he? What's he doing now? Uh he's uh, he's unfortunately dead. He passed oh. away in a tragic oh. accident. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, sorry for your loss. Yeah. Uh, so what? What's your strength? Oh, I think uh, I'm good at putting thoughts into actions. I'm good at taking. I'm good at taking ideas, and I'm good at putting them into action and realizing these concepts. Well, I mean, I can't fault him there. That is true. You know, that's true. Yeah. I mean, he did. He did the thing. He visualized it, and then he made it a reality. (laughs) My hobbies uh, include um... fantasy, role-playing games, uh, Lord of the Rings, music. I'm big into music. It it says did it. um, It might. I think did you write Nazism here? I don't know. It just that it seems oh, like it's been scribbled a, out. That's a, that's a mistake. Uh, yeah. I imagine like the um, you know, like uh, job interview being like, yeah. So I went to like Norway a while back, <laughs> and like at the time, like there was these burnings of like churches and stuff, and then, then like. Visibly panicking. Visibly <laughs> panicking. Like Swat just, you know, drenches him. He goes like pale and everything, and it's like paler, you know, under his makeup. It, it was weird in Norway. Everyone was talking about this count who, I guess, was part of a Satanist. Or, why am I doing a Scandinavian accent now? It's France. Everyone was talking about this uh, <laughs> count. He was uh, doing these Satanist cult uh, activity. These burnings. He murdered the man. It was it was crazy. Have the situation calmed down there? Uh, yeah, it's it's been a, been a few years. Everything has calmed down now. Yes. God, crazy, right? Yeah, it's amazing that not. <laughs> it's you know, it's amazing. I can't imagine anybody like you know anybody would do that. Yeah, uh, me me neither. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's been a lovely interview, but we've got other import potential employees to. Uh interview so uh if you would just go on your way who 
do you think you are? I am the count. I am the only one so unique. I'm the count. What are they? What are they? Why are you synchiling? It's like, stop doing the Roman salute. Like, Okay, right. Is that a medieval knife? Why do we have a medieval knife? Now, the problem with this little scenario is I don't think Vorg is gonna need to apply to my job ever because he kept making black metal music as Bursum oh, and Bursum no. is, despite all the shit he's done still like well they're Bursum they're one of the foundational bands people still listen to them and buy the records and they, they have fucking merch like he, he, still, he still has fans and shit Bursum, Bursum is still like a, a band that is very foundational within the genre this is one of the big bands within black metal despite shit he's done yeah. he, he doesn't need to he doesn't need to apply to a fucking job it, ever again probably it must suck having like an entire genre like intrinsically tied up with like oh oh it fucking does oh yeah, yeah. It does. just entirely intrinsically tied up in like this whole like absolutely bullshit like faux cult nay nay not 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 faux it's not it's not fake by any sense of the word i mean Euronymous did have this like thing where he liked he liked sort of acting like a cult leader. He liked people listening to what he did. He did like get several like fans to come into the shop who were trying to impress him by talking about how they wanted to burn churches and he just told them like do it and then come back to me. Like well, he, this like is people like... were trying like he was kind of had a cult leader personality at least, even if he wasn't running yeah. actual cults. It just, I keep thinking that this is just fucking teenager shit. This is like, this is like my high school experience, but with a body <laughs> count, you know? It's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is me sitting in my room, sulking, listening to the Mysterious Thamsathanas, but with a body count. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Borg kept making music as Bursum, and throughout the decade he kept doing this. This is the final album, guys, thing, and then, like, releasing... Another one a few years later kept just, oh, this is the final one. This is the final Borsum album. And then a few years later, oh, here's a new Borsum album. <laughs> and he also kept doing wacky political shit. Oh, no. He made this shitty YouTube channel called Thulean Perspective. Of course. He talked to the camera about subjects like anarcho-primitivism, white nationalism, and how the media is unfair to him. Oh, no so unfair to him oh the poor thing did they say that it he was a bad man for burning the churches <laughs> and stabbing his friend in the back oh where the channel the channel is gone now thank god it's been gone for a few <laughs> years yeah Good. but the while it was active it had almost 250,000 subscribers and 48 million views i mean yeah I would watch that, you know, even if it was... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm watching this train wreck. I'm absolutely... I'm, sure, I'm not... yeah. yeah, I'm not... I'm, I'm absolutely... There were like a lot of people watching this unironically, though. I feel like people watching this ironically was a minority. Yeah, you're probably right, which is the problem. And I must say, I'm surprised that YouTube actually stepped in, because they usually yeah. like that shit, you know? Yeah, at some point, I think they had to go like, oh, this guy, uh, he's, he's a literal... Uh, neo-nazi and he's like justifying terrorist attacks and he's murdered a guy and maybe we should step in and he did make a video justifying terror attacks he had like a thing about how the uh, christ church like people had it coming and this, this was what they the war they started and whatever just for being like muslims I, uh, uh, what it... yeah he's an awful person he he likes terrorist attacks if they kill brown people no surprises there 
So, uh, beside, beside the justifying terrorist attacks, he made high-quality videos with titles like Go forth and procreate fellow Thulians and reconnect, in parentheses, absolute savage. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, also, like, he's kind of a sellout at this point because he's going against his whole thing of, like, you know, rebelling against quality by using high-quality videos, so... I'd say that this is like the darker years of his career. I, I was kind of was kind of ironic when I said high quality. It's actually just him in his car or him in the woods. <laughs> oh, right, I, I, I corrected. <laughs> so Varg also made a documentary along with his wife, and it's called Forebears. It's it's like the word forebears, but the B is capitalized because it's about bears. Forebears. <sighs> it's forebears. It's like forebears, but with bears. You see, I, I, I get, I, I get it. It's like another pun. <laughs> yeah, it's another pun. He likes his puns. He does. Yeah. So he wrote a book as well. It was called "Sorcery and Religion in Ancient Scandinavia," and it reportedly rejects accepted academic theories in favor of Varg's speculation and fantasies. You don't say. He also, also. Made a tabletop RPG. What? No! Oh my yes! god! What? No! 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 I'm not no! Joking. What? It is called... No! Yes! No. It is called. It is called Mifarok, and that somehow stands for mythical fantasy role-playing game. Very original. Oh, shit! I mean, of course he's a tabletop nerd. Of course he. Does. Yeah, he was a Lord like... of the Rings nerd too. Yeah, he's. He yeah, likes it fantasy. makes so much sense yes. that this is it. I'm sorry, I gotta look up this shit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, see... I'm gonna give you... No, I have, I'm gonna really? give you a description here. I have a description written down of it. You don't need to look it up. Don't spoil yourself. It offers, and I quote, the opportunity to play a game in accordance with your own European nature. It's not only... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was just... You know what? I, you know what? I was really craving that. I'm afraid that, you know, the one thing that tabletop was missing for me was ethno-nationalism. That's what I needed. That I never get enough of that. Yes! Oh, wow, you want ethno-nationalism? He's gonna give you some more ethno-nationalism here. You play as a fantasy Scandinavian race. There is a pantheon of deities, and one of them has a thinly disguised swastika as its crest. The game's charts are so overly detailed that they differentiate between a light breeze and a gentle breeze. There's an enemy race called Darklings, and they receive a bonus to spear throwing. No points for guessing who they're supposed to be. <laughs> There's a religion called the Sikani, who are greedy and dishonest. They poison food supplies, kill babies, and try to orchestrate a white genocide. Again, no points for guessing who they're supposed to be. So yeah, it's, uh, he he also made this. He made this as like a teaching tool for his son, oh, and that is, is extremely concerning on very many levels. I feel real sorry for his kid because, like, oh, not only no, does no, he have to grow kid. up with this 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 mad murderous racist. You say that you say that if he has as if he's one kid, kids. This motherfucker has six kids. What? Six he's of just... them. So he seven actually because he has one out of marriage as well who's like oh right grown yeah. up teenage like uh, adult now I think oh so he so he fucked before this current girl then or yeah he fucked before his trad wife yes. all right yeah uh the forebears and mifarog shit is all well and funny but there's some less fun uh less fun stuff going on with this guy as well because there always is. In 2011, Norwegian far-right terrorist Anders Bering Breivik murdered 77 people and injured 319 others. Before he launched the attacks, he sent his manifesto out to about 
like 500 far-right individuals, and Varg Vikernes was among them. Mm. This was like one of the people he wanted to get this manifesto out to. This was like, oh shit, Varg. Like, I look up this guy. So he sent the manifesto out to Varg. And Varg did not appreciate this at all. He thinks Breivik is a Christian loser and that he carried out these attacks as part of some Jewish plot to murder Norwegians. Oh, hot takes. Hot takes. From... Yeah, he, he like, what a blog post where he said, where he, like, basically said, uh, kill yourself under a spring <laughs> Like, he did not like I him. mean, I gotta say, that is a massive own coming from this incredible loser. Like... Yeah, it is. Yeah, this, this other fucking loser who just wanted his idol to be proud of him and sent his manifesto to him. And Rog just went, no, fuck you, you Christian loser, you, you fucking part of a Jewish plot. That's what I fucking own, honestly. It must be so confused. So even though Vork condemned Breivik, the French authorities decided to keep an eye out on him. Can't imagine why they want to keep an eye out on Vork. Someone has to, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. In 2013, when Varg's wife Marie bought four rifles, the police arrested Varg under the suspicion that he may be planning a terror attack. The rifles were legally requ- were legally uh, acquired, though, and authorities couldn't really substantiate that he'd be plotting anything, so they had to let him go. But not long after that, they brought him in again, this time on the charges of inciting racial hatred on his Thulean Perspective blog. Mark <laughs> claimed he hadn't written those particular entries on the blog, but I mean they are on his website under his name, so no one yeah. really bought that excuse. Again, he keeps making these really flimsy <laughs> lies. I mean, yeah, just 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 say it, dude. Just say yeah, you did it. You know, they're just yeah. the results going to be the same. He was sentenced to six months of probation and fined eight thousand euro, but after that incident, he's managed to steer clear of any more trouble with the law. As of 2017, he seems pretty happy living in this village in southern France with his trad wife and his six kids, who I kind of feel sorry for. Uh, I mean, that's something of a happy ending, which is more than we're used to. <laughs> Should he have a happy ending, though? No, I mean, like I said, somewhat. Well, at least you know? he didn't. At least he didn't like do another terror attack or murder. Yeah. He's just kind of. He's just kind of. Sp- Chilling in France, writing like dumb fucking books and documentaries and role playing yeah. games. Like he's not hurting anyone, at least. Yeah, he's just boring his kids to death with racism and RPGs. So yes. So now that we know what Vorik's been up to, let's close the episode by doing a bit of a rewind and checking in on what Mayhem has been doing during all those years. Because yes, they were still around, and yes, they were still making music. And that fact was controversial to a lot of people in the scene who thought that Mayhem without Euronymous would not really be Mayhem. As Euronymous had claimed he was the brains behind Mayhem and the rest of them were just extras. That's that's something he literally said. And a lot of people bought that, that like Euronymous was the was the brains here and everyone else was just well, kind of there. So you know. A lot of people didn't wasn't too keen on them performing. Uh, the rest of the members, though, clearly felt it was as much their band as his, and so they formed back up. Out of the two remaining members, uh, Shihar, the vocalist, left, but Hellhammer, the band's drummer since 1988, stayed in. And uh, two members from Mayhem's early, early years rejoined the band. Necrobutcher, the guy who'd quit because of how Euronymous had... Yeah, Necrobutcher, the one who quit after uh, after Euronymous called him and went, yo, dad killed himself and it was cool. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. Returns. 
Uh, and Maniac rejoined as well. I haven't mentioned him, but he was one of the free vocalists the band had went through before Dead joined the band. And they had to get an entirely new guy to replace Euronymous, of course, so they got some guy named Blasphemer, who got a lot of hate for not, in fact, being Euronymous. Well, he's a blasphemer as well, so perfect. Yeah. Uh, at this point, noted bigot Hellhammer sort of took over Vorg's role as being the resident neo-Nazi, because Aww. apparently they don't have one of those. Yeah. He, like, put swastika flags in the rehearsal room and Nazi symbols on their merch. He was just not good. Mm. He also, shock horror, said Mayhem wasn't satanic anymore, and that <gasps> no one of the new lineup was a satanist. Oh, that's blasphemy. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling that, like, people in the scene were more upset by the anti-Satanism stance and the pro-fascism stance. I mean, yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah. Look, racism I can deal with, but I draw the line at denouncing Satanism. <laughs> Black metal fans, unironically. Uh, another controversy from this time was that the their tendency to throw decapitated animal heads into the audience went predictably wrong. <laughs> As a fan ended up with a fractured skull after being directly <laughs> hit in the head by a oh. sheep skull. By a what skull? A sheep skull. A sheep skull. Oh, of course, a sheep skull. I'm just saying, yeah, like this is definitely like G.G. Allen-esque stuff, but it's like... Yes, it is. I mean, imagine like being in A&E and just having to explain that, saying, Jesus, what happened to you? <laughs> and like, um, uh, I got... I got brained by a sheep's head. What the fuck were you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so assault charges were filed against the band, but Mayhem considered it to be purely accidental. Necrobutcher later admitted that they threw it on purpose at the guy because he was talking to a girl instead of paying attention to the show. Oh fucking hell! It was not, in fact, purely accidental. Oh. So in uh, 2004, after almost 10 years with the same lineup, which is a record for them, congrats, uh, Maniac ended up leaving the band over what can best be described as messy in-group drama. Because if there's one thing we know about Mayhem at this point, it's that they're messy and overly dramatic. So according to Necrobutcher, Maniac suffered from stage fright and had developed alcoholism to cope with this. The rest of the band didn't really appreciate this tendency because he'd end up forgetting his lyrics during their shows. So they decided to organize a bit of an intervention. And by intervention, I mean that Blasphemer decided to kick Maniac down a flight of stairs while they were going off stage after a show. <sighs> Maniac left the band after this, understandably. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be the most sensible right now after this. Instead of just sticking around, you know, waiting to spiral out, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't need your help, actually. I'll just go. <laughs> I think Maniac did need someone's help because like he had he had like apparently did a pretty severe alcoholism issues. Yeah, I know, but like send him to rehab. Don't kick him down the stairs. Oh. oh these... Yeah, so anyways, that led to them bringing back Attila Shihar, the vocalist they had during the Mysterious Dom Satanas album. And side note. Attila is definitely one of the more likable guys in the history of this band because he has no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> like, watching the interviews with him in the Pure Fucking Mayhem documentary, it's very clear he just wants to play music and has no idea what's going on with any of this drama. He just yes. came back from Hungary to join this band and he thought everything was going well. 
he was like getting along well with everyone they're making good music and like then suddenly one of his bandmates kills another one of his bandmates and he kind of seems confused about the whole thing because he hadn't really noticed any of the tension is he just disassociating the whole time <laughs> like like we've been like this is the only i mean that would be perfectly valid to be honest you know yeah so basically like the me of that <laughs> yeah. i mean to be fair i mean someone has to want to make music frankly because no one in this fucking band seems to want to make music <laughs> i mean during the time before they brought um the during the time before they brought attila back they had made uh two full-length albums actually they started speeding ah. up the progress here uh and they had made one ep as well the ep was really bad not gonna lie the two albums were good though so there weren't many controversies for Mayhem during the time with this lineup, not a lot to unpack, as it were. But in 2018, things get a little bit spicy again, because then Mayhem was brought back into the limelight with the release of Lords of Chaos, a biopic centered on the life and death of Euronymous. It was directed by Jonas Åkerlund from Sweden. He's most famous for being a music video director. But he's also one of the founding members of the band Bathory, which was one of the bands that inspired Norwegian black metal. So kind of comes full circle with that. Hmm. Oh yeah. It's all coming together now. Yeah, it's all coming together now. So a lot of the Mayhem members had opinions on this movie, on their portrayals, on the historical accuracy of it. Some of these critiques were more valid than others. And when I say others, I'm mainly just talking about Varg, who mostly seemed upset <laughs> that he was portrayed by a Jewish actor. Oh my god, this oh. fucking guy. Oh. I, I love the casting director for making, ah. for making a Jewish actor play Varg, and he got so mad about it, he got so upset. Good. Yeah, well, you know, stay mad in France, you motherfucker. Like, <laughs> yes. what can you do about it? <laughs> but this is not the main reason I bring Lords of Chaos up. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because it got the people involved talking again, wanting to share their side of the story. And Mayhem's bassist Necrobutcher had by far the most interesting tea to spill here. Now, in case you don't remember, Necrobutcher, founding member of Mayhem, left after Euronymous acted so careless about, about Dead's death, and then rejoined after Euronymous' death. He'd been fairly open with the fact that he and Euronymous never got along too well, stating that it was always a cat and dog thing between the two. But in October 2019, this is what he had to say when talking about the murder of Euronymous. Okay, I can tell it right now because I've been holding it in for many go, years. Go. But actually, I was on my way down to kill him myself. <laughs> In other words, during the course of less than five years, Dead apparently stabbed Euronymous once, Vork stabbed him 23 times, and Necrobutcher was fucking lining up to kill him if Vork didn't. I, I feel mean, like at some point, you gotta take the hint that the rest of the band doesn't like you very much. I mean, I'm gonna have to, I have to say that, oh, I don't know, I, I almost feel sorry for him, but I don't. I yeah. don't actually get there. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, if I knew him, I would have stabbed him too. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So I just want to. So, dead like, stab tried to stab someone. No, that that allegedly did stab Euronymous once, one time. So, uh, dead lit dead who like 
actually thinks he's undead. So this zombie with a knife stabs you. <laughs> Sorry, not a zombie. Um, ghoul. Ghoul would be the correct term. Zombie. No, ghoul would not be the correct term. Ghoul is another one of the members, Alice. What the fuck? There's a mayhem member called Ghoul. We're not talking about Ghoul right now. We're talking about this. This is so confusing. There's so <laughs> many. There's so many parts to this. Oh, I, I haven't, I've, I haven't brought up most of the, like members. I've been merciful by not bringing up all of the band switches here. I'm gonna send you. Wait, I'm gonna. Okay, here, here we go. Here's the mayhem lineup. Here's the mayhem lineup chart. They had to make a chart of this. On oh Wikipedia. my god. Like I haven't mentioned most of these people. Drums. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hellhammer has been like the longest, I think, technically. Yeah. 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 There's one guy held called Kittil Kittilsa, which is a funny name. There here they have Gul, Tilloch, Silmeth, Morpheus, Alexander Nordgren. These are like guys I haven't brought up at all. I've been merciful by not telling you about all the fucking lineup switches. They got Messiah up there. Yeah, Messiah <laughs> got... was one of the first vocalists. Yeah, yeah. and then we got Maniac, Kilty Kilson. Yeah, with just teeny weeny. Teeny weeny Kilty Kilson. Just teeny weeny yeah. on, the, on the vocals. Stage for a teeny weeny time. Yeah. And uh, we got. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's just sad seeing Dead up there. It's just so yeah, it not the shortest, but still pretty short. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I am actually legit missing Dead at this point. You know, it's like, yeah, fucking rest <laughs> in peace, Doug, honestly. Yeah, uh, yeah, really, it just like Dead just like so Dead seems like a, in like the context of like you know all this in comparison to like the other band members just seems like this tragic weirdo figure which yeah. like you know i can get behind i can see the appeal of yeah like you know like if if dad had just you know like decided you know what no i'm not going to be part of this band like i'm going to you know and start my own and then like he would just you know like I don't know if things that would have been much like better for him in the black metal scene at all, even with a different band. Like the black metal scene really did encourage like his first yeah. tendency of like yeah. cutting himself in it. Like there's still there's still like musicians in the black metal scene who do that. Okay, never mind. If he just switched genres, maybe he'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, he sort of started just doing death metal, honestly. To end on a more positive note, uh, during the 25-ish years since the project was revived, Mayhem has released four full-length albums, all of them quite good in my opinion, but none receiving the uh, uniformly glowing praise that the Mysteriestum Satanas did. And then, in 2019, they released Daemon. It was met with highly positive reviews and hailed as a return to form for the band. It's an excellent album, really. It's definitely their best and Stimsteries. And I, for once, think it proves that Mayhem can be Mayhem even without Hieronymus. Uh, right. I, I'm just... Hang on. A return to form. Yep. But their original form was just burning down churches. <laughs> no, and I return to form... A return to form in terms of the sound. Like, in terms yeah. of that, this is the most high quality in terms of music since, like, the mysterious. But what little songs. music they did, it's like yeah. a return to form to that rather than the church burny stuff, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, they're not burning any churches these days. 
the church burning thing, the like scene is kind of split on the church burning thing with like some artists thinking like the church burnings were dumb and some others going, oh hell yeah, the church burning owns. Like, like oh, that's so, that's so 90s. Oh my yeah. God. I feel like there is kind of that feeling among a lot of them that the kind of stuff that happened was a bit like cringe in hindsight. Some of them still go like, oh yeah, that shit ruled. Church burning is fucking cool. But some of them seem to have developed like a sense of perspective. <laughs> Even though I have no jurisdiction, I want to ground all of these kids. I really do. Yeah, it's me too. Five hours we've been recording this shit. At this, yeah, at this point, they're not even they're not kids. At this point, I mean, these people are these people are pretty old. Those people are kind of getting up there in terms of years. Uh, so their best album since the Mysterious Dom Satanas, uh, and I hope they maintain this level of quality in the future. And I wish them the best of luck in their future endeavors, except for Hellhammer because he's a Nazi. <laughs> Anyways, that is it for the Norwegian black metal episodes. We did Ooh, it, five hours. Five hours. Five hours. Five hours. Five hours. Of pain. There's like so much to unpack with this scene that I wasn't able to fit all of it into this episode, of course. Like I was regrettably not able to get to the very dumb rivalry between Norwegian black metal bands and Swedish death metal bands. Another time, perhaps. Yeah, another time. There's there's something I'm definitely gonna get to another time. Gal from Gorgoroth who is absolutely the most bizarre character within the entire Norwegian black metal scene, and it's kind of not even close. I will need to talk about Gal from Gorgoroth. There is so much to unpack with that fucking guy. In a shorter segment, though, a normal-sized segment of Gal. This is, this is the bumper episode, I think. This is just <laughs> like, this is the annual that we're releasing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is certainly a episode. Yeah. Uh, there right. were certainly some sounds that we made into a podcast. Yeah. My we my throat is that. hurting. My my throat is certainly making sounds, and now it is hurting. Oh, my throat! So, Alice, sorry. Uh, were you gonna say something? No, I don't know. I think I was just gonna go back <laughs> to like chanting weird, like made up words. <laughs> That's a good idea. <sighs> Right, so as Alice goes on in the background, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Lot to Unpack Your Podcast. So, uh, Alice, do you want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Right, uh, sorry, yeah, okay. Um, hi, I'm, I'm out of my uh, Lovecraftian trance. Um, you can find me on twitter.com where I'm uh, I I wear the handle um, at Rebel Gender. I I. It seemed like we almost like have this associated to the point where you forgot the forgot the handle for a few seconds. Yeah, um, yeah. I should probably go see a doctor. <laughs> I should probably go to sleep. It's like it's nearly midnight. I should probably do both of those. Alex, you want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Obscuracom. Um, I must say, I think you probably have outdone John McAfee in terms of notes <laughs> and sheer what the fuckery. 
Ally, that is that is nice to hear. That's good. If, if we set that bar, it's like the Top Gear, you know, racing bar. I'm sure we'll find something else to top it later, but you know, it's gonna right now. This is the peak that you've reached. Did <laughs> it, gamers? Woo. So you can find me. I don't know if I said this. Maybe I did. Anyways, bewildered underscore B on Twitter. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode. Please episodes i suppose this will be split into two parts of course um if you enjoyed it please do rate comment and subscribe until next time folks have a good one on three of the kvel to say something in scandinavian here so uh so now that like you know it's the end of the world and like we're basically accepting we can't stop the virus so we're easing the lockdown or whatever like, I just want people to know that I've been gardening. Ooh. I know, I saw your potatoes. Yeah. They're nice yes. potatoes. That sounds yeah. like a euphemism, but it's not. We are talking about actual potatoes.